Welcome to the Wellsteading Podcast. This is episode 259. Today is February 26, 2018. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Well, I hope things are going well for you and you're surviving this flu season. Over the past couple weeks, uh, my family members have fallen victim to it one after another. I'm still doing my best to recover from the crud, but I think the worst of it for me is over now. In any case, you don't care about me and my health condition. You want to hear about the markets. But you know what? In today's episode, that's not what I'm going to talk about other than to go over just a really brief market review. Today, what I want to spend some time on is to talk about people's side hustles and actually to give you some advice different from the conventional wisdom that I'm always hearing about, uh, about how you should have multiple streams of income and you should have a side hustle and entrepreneur on fire and yada, yada, yada. Well, I'm going to give you a contrarian view on that today. And I want to do that because I've been hearing from a lot of people as the new year starts, you know, as they're starting their side hustles and they're trying to, uh, you know, like you do for a diet, prepare uh, in the new year, you set a goal for what weight you want to lose or how you want to get into shape. And so many people have contacted me and they're starting, you know, 2018, trying to build up their, their entrepreneurial financial health. And so they're, they're jumping into their side hustles and they want to know my opinion And then, of course, once I give them my Debbie Downer outlook, they don't want to hear my opinion anymore. But in any case, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to take a break from the markets other than to just do some really quick, simple review of what's been happening over the past couple weeks as we went into a correction and now how it appears that we're recovering from that correction. I don't have a crystal ball. I can't predict the future. I don't know exactly what's going to happen. But, and this is the big but, I look at three things. I look at stock charts, I look at fundamentals, and I look at trends. And when I talk about trends, these are mostly, uh, these are not uh, charting trends. These are demographic or trends of nature, you know, things like weather patterns or age demographics or unemployment statistics, things of that nature. That's what I'm looking at. And I don't rely on any one single piece of evidence. Like a detective, I try and go out and observe what's going on on the crime scene. And then I put all these facts together And I do my best to put aside my prejudice, but at the same time, to use my wisdom and my experience to construct the trades that I either want to buy or sell. And then I come on the podcast and I tell you what I've done. You can do what I do or not do what I do. Either way, it doesn't matter to me because I've already done what I told you I was going to do. If I buy an ETF or sell a stock, I put it out there. It's in the public domain. You can do with it as you choose. I try and take a trend-following conservative approach that's tempered with my cynicism and my contrarian nature. Now that's what works for me, may not work for you. And what I also do is I generally stick to very high quality and very liquid common stocks and ETFs. So you're not going to see me dabbling in penny stocks or Forex trading or futures and pig bellies or trying to flip real estate or buy collectible art or get involved in numismatic coins, or mine cryptocurrency, or anything else like that. Now, are these things wrong? Are these things in bubbles? Are these things things that you should avoid or not do? Well, you know what? That's none of my business. I just stick to what works for me, and I let you decide what you want to do for yourself. The only caveat I would add to all this is that I'm approaching 57 years old. I've been doing this for a long time. I'm in a position where I'm financially independent, And while I can't tell you that what I do is right for you, I can assure you that what I do is right for me because it's been working out for me for so long. 
So take that for what it's worth. Now, as far as the overall markets, they look like they're recovering from this correction that we had over the past couple weeks. The S&P 500 has now closed solidly above its 50-day moving average. Will this hold and go on to all new highs? Well, I don't know for sure, but if you've been following what I've done over at my firm's website, investablewealth.com, that's where I do my alerts and notifications, you'll know that I didn't sell anything during this panic. In fact, what I did was I went in and I took reserve cash that I had and I added to my ETF holdings. So do I have a crystal ball? Do I know that this was just a mild correction and we're going on to all new highs? No, I don't know that, but that's the way I've been acting. I took this correction as an opportunity to buy the dips. I've done these episodes on it recently. Go back and listen to those if you haven't. I do believe that we're in a bull market and that's despite all the gloom and doom that you hear. And so whenever I see a pullback in a bull market, I think that's an opportunity to buy the dip. In later episodes, I'm going to come back and I'm going to address some of the listener questions that I've been getting about using moving averages, when to know either to buy or sell in a panic, and how to do things like you know assess the overall fundamentals of the market. Now, these are things that aren't going to be anything new. If you've been listening to the previous episodes of this podcast, you know that we've covered these topics in real time and try to apply them to the market conditions that were going on at that time. And, and that's what I'm going to do as, as a follow-up in the coming days or weeks. But for now, all I want to say is I think the rally's intact. I think that if you got in over the past couple weeks, it was an excellent secondary buying opportunity to get into this market. And I think sometime between now and the end of the year, we're still going to see the S&P 500 get up around 3,000 points and at the same time see the 10-year Treasury get up around 3%. I don't think they're mutually exclusive of each other as has been talked about over the last couple weeks. I think we're actually going through a fourth version of quantitative easing. I think this is part of the overall Federal Reserve plan to normalize things and to keep the market as high as they possibly can while at the same time bringing up interest rates because interest rates have been artificially held too low for too long. Ah, but more about that in future episodes. Today, what I want to really focus on is, you know, taking a break from all this market nonsense. And I want to focus on the entrepreneurial part of how you should be building your wealth and earning your income. And as I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, I'm really going to take a different contrarian, cynical approach. And, and that's my nature. I mean, I generally look at something that everybody else says is blue. And to me, it looks aqua or it's some other shade of blue. I never really see things exactly the way other people do. Now, that contrarian outlook can be both a blessing or a curse. And so in this episode, as I talk about side hustles, and you hear me talk more about the negative end of it, this doesn't apply to you if you're someone that's actively involved in one or more side hustles, and you feel at the end of the day that your life is being enriched from that, that activity. Right? You're either making more money, or you're happier, or you find your life is more fulfilling, or whatever it is, you just feel that you're getting and having a very positive experience from engaging in a side hustle. And I use that term side hustle. I assume everybody knows what that is. This is like the part-time gig that you've got going on. You know, you're working a full-time job, but then you're doing a side hustle because you want to start your own business or you want to explore taking a hobby into some type of uh, income stream or, you know, you're delving into real estate or whatever it is you're doing as your side hustle. And the side hustle has been something that in, in, in past years has really gotten a lot of popularity. And so just about everybody I talk to either has a side hustle going on or they're talking about starting a side hustle or they think that 
doing a side hustle would be beneficial for them. And again, what I'm saying here is if you're actively engaged in that and you do feel enriched by it and it's working out for you, then good, keep doing what you're doing. But I'm going to take the negative side of it for right now. And that's because I will tell you the vast majority of people I talk to, the side hustle is detrimental to them. Now, what I'm going to talk about today is the experience of, of one particular person I know. And I'm going to tell this in story form, and I'll tweak the facts a little bit so that I won't specifically identify the person I'm talking to. But in general, I'm going to tell you enough information where you can build a picture of this person. And then I think that you can apply that to a lot of other people working side hustles, even if this, this one particular person I'm going to talk about is kind of way over extreme in things. So let me introduce you to my acquaintance. We're going to call him Fred. Now, Fred's not really a friend of mine, but he is somebody that I've known for probably seven, eight years. He's an extremely talented individual. Now, in Fred's case, he's, he's more of what you would call a, a blue-collar worker. And for our purposes today, it doesn't really matter what he does for a living. Now, again, this Fred, he, he actually is a, is a boiler. I don't know if you call him a boiler maker, a boiler worker, but boiler mechanic. But he's, he's a guy that works on heating systems that use steam. So I think if you're familiar with a boiler, you know, boilers they have in hospitals. Some, uh, some large residential homes have them. Well, that's what this guy does. He, he repairs those type of systems. But what I'm going to say about Fred has nothing to do with that. Fred could be an attorney. Fred could be a doctor. Fred could be a school teacher. Fred could be any occupation. Because I do meet people in all walks of life that fit into Fred's category of where they're getting sucked into pursuing a side hustle and it's actually detrimental for them instead of you know, being beneficial to their health and wealth. But let me tell you about Fred. And when I said he's a blue-collar worker, don't get a negative idea about him either. And because Fred is extremely intelligent and extremely talented, he's got more talent in his little finger than I have in my whole body. He probably does more, more by 8 o'clock in the morning than I may do the whole day or maybe even sometimes in a whole week. So don't get the wrong impression here. Fred isn't lazy. Fred isn't stupid. Fred doesn't lack talent. In fact, he excels in all those areas. Fred's problem is that he is very inefficient. And although he's constantly pursuing opportunities to make more money, it always seems to fall through his fingers and he can never hold on to it. He can never build wealth. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he's chasing too many side hustles and he's not focusing his efforts on what can really pay off for him. So let's look at Fred. He is employed by a small company and as I mentioned, they, they repair boilers. It's mostly commercial and industrial type heating systems, but, but the, the market's large enough where it can also be residential. Fred's very good at that job. He um, you know, went to tech school for it. He's been doing it for probably, I don't know, 15 or more years. He's in his early 40s. He is what you would consider an expert in that field. And he is paid quite nicely for what he does. In fact, again, he's a blue-collar worker, but he is making more money than the average school teacher or, you know, the average person with a college degree. But he's working hard to earn that income. You know, he's getting paid by the hour. He's got to put in a lot of overtime. It's a lot of very physical work. And as he's getting older, that takes its toll on him. And so that's one of the reasons that he's looking for a side hustle. He knows that eventually, you know, his body's going to wear out. He's not going to be able to work as hard as he did when he was younger. And so he's trying to find those multiple streams of income. Fred is also very paranoid about a downturn in the economy that would cause him to be fired or get laid off. 
That's happened to him over the last 15 years. And in particular, you know, during 2008, he was out of work for, for uh, several months, maybe even into a year. And it took him a long time to recover from that. And so he still suffers those scars of being unemployed. And so, again, that's something that spurs him onto this side hustle. He wants to have something, you know, on the side that should he lose his main job, he can be resilient enough to have this other stream of income coming in to help him get by until the economy, you know, gets better. But here's the problem with Fred's side hustles. They never end up being anything other than a side hustle. You know, he'll pursue one kind of idea for six months and then that'll peter out. And it'll peter out because it probably wasn't a good idea to begin with or didn't have enough time to put into it to make it really work. And then that'll make him frustrated and he'll go looking for the next, you know, place where the grass is greener for the next opportunity. Or a lot of these side hustles involve, you know, skills that he has, but they're not really, uh, they're not really ancillary to what he does on a day-to-day basis. And this gets down to what I mentioned before about Fred being so talented and so intelligent. You see, Fred can do a multitude of different things. He can tear apart a transmission and rebuild it. He can take a couple pieces of wood and you know, create some type of furniture or build some kind of a structural you know, building. He's pretty good with electricity, so he can rewire things. And because he's so good with his hands and he has problem-solving abilities in his mind, he's constantly taking on new projects. And literally, I may run into him one time at the store and I ask him, hey, how he's doing? He's like, oh, I'm, uh, I'm buying a new tool because I'm, I've got this job over the weekend. I'm rebuilding this transmission and I'm going to make $2,500 on it. The next time I see him, he's headed off to a job uh, for you know, snow removal. In the wintertime, he's got this contract. He's going to plow some driveways or some parking lots. And then in the summer, he's got a side hustle where he's delivering mulch or he's cutting down trees or he's rewiring somebody's house. I mean, literally, every time I see the guy, he always has a side hustle, and he's always making an extra couple thousand dollars. But the problem is, he never turns those side hustles into consistent income streams. And oftentimes what happens is, is that couple thousand dollars that he makes, he ends up burning that up in buying new tools or some kind of piece of equipment to you know, accomplish that job he's on because then he thinks he's going to get another one just like it and that it's going to result in this you know, continuing income stream, but it generally never pans out that way. And so he ends up with all kinds of tools and equipment that are just sitting on the shelf and never really get put into full use. And I guess that's the biggest problem of his side hustles is he never gets a return on his investment. That's why he said that although he's extremely intelligent, and he's a really hard worker, he's just not effective. He's not efficient. And again, when I'm talking about with Fred, this can apply to anybody. doesn't matter what kind of profession you're in. Those of you that are looking for all these jobs on the side and always looking for the next grass is greener opportunity, maybe you should sit back, take a real inventory of what's going on around you, and try and make money in what you're already making money in. Look what your present employment situation is. And look at what skills and abilities you have to either hold that job or whether you're the employee or the entrepreneur, look at what you're doing and make the assumption that if you're doing it and you've been doing it for some time and if you're earning an income from it, then, then you must be you know, at least better than the average person or you wouldn't have that job. So you must have some set of skills there. So take those skills and expand them just a little bit. Don't go out and do a total reinvention of the wheeled side hustle simply because you can. 
Don't go out and say, well, hey, I can make an extra couple thousand dollars if I rebuild a transmission this weekend. You know, if you're not in the transmission building business, maybe that's just a time waster for you. Maybe you should be focusing on the fact that you're a boiler mechanic. And instead of going out and trying to do all these extra jobs simply because you can, but is that really beneficial for your business? Is that a good use of your time? In Fred's case, I would say that it's not. That instead of doing all these extra little side jobs, he should be focusing on building an ancillary business around where his main business is, which is fixing boiler systems. And when I talk to Fred about that, he will always come up with a reason why it won't work. Well, you know, it's a cyclical business. Or there's a lot of competition. Or it's hard to get established. Or you can't get the initial contracts that you need to make it a long-term business. Or it's hard to get a line of credit to, to get the right suppliers, uh, you know, so that you can give yourself enough cash flow to be able to install the boiler parts that you need to, to service your customers. And then by the time you get paid from them and you got to pay your suppliers, you know, there's just not enough line of credit or cash flow there. And so, you, you know, you can't make the business work. And so he always has an excuse why he can't build either horizontally or vertically within the boiler business. Now, when I say to him, yeah, but that same thing applies to XYZ, right? I mean, there's a lot of competition in plowing snow. There's a lot of competition in rebuilding transmissions. There's a lot of competition in rewiring an old house. I mean, all these other side hustles that he's approaching have those same restrictions that his boilermaker business does. It's just that the grass always looks greener, or he's got a friend in that business, or someone approached him to do this. And so, you know, he can't say no because, hey, he's going to make another $2,000. But then when he pursues these endeavors, those roadblocks always come up. He's undercapitalized. He doesn't have the vendor support network that he needs. He doesn't have the cash flow. He doesn't have the line of credit. The business is cyclical on and on and on. And I would say it almost always comes back to that period in 2008 when he got laid off. And he's got some real, you know, some real emotional scars from that. And he doesn't want that to happen again. And so he'll always come back to the fallback position of, well, I want to have these multiple streams of income because I don't want to get tied to this one cyclical business. And that's when I, I say to him, you know, in 2008, did your boss fire himself? Did your boss get laid off? And he'll say, no, of course not. The boss never gets laid off. The boss just lays off employees. And to me, that's the real revelation. That's when the light should come on for Fred. That success in Fred's life is not going to come from having multitude of side hustles. That's not where his strength is. That's not where his resiliency is. The resiliency for Fred and for all of us is in building businesses and or having employment skills where you become fireproof. And so if you're the best employee in your industry, you're probably not going to get fired. If you do, you can always go work for a competitor. And if you're a business owner and you're an entrepreneur and you're running a successful operation, you're probably not going to fire yourself. If it's a cyclical business and because of the economy or the recession or whatever, you have to tighten your belt, you'll do that. But you'll sell assets, you'll lay off employees, and you'll juggle things around to keep your enterprise in operation until the recession bottoms out. And then you'll be in a great position to make even more money because many of your competitors will have gone out of business. And you'll be able to hire really good employees at a lower rate because they've all been laid off. And so what I try and explain to Fred and I, the picture I try and paint for him 
is that his resiliency is not in doing all these five or six or a dozen different side hustles that are unrelated, but to focus on those one or two things that he's really good at. And in his personal situation, it's a boiler mechanic. Find out how he can start with a side hustle that doesn't endanger his day job, but allows him to take all those skills and abilities and contacts and knowledge that he has from being a boiler mechanic and make that side hustle ancillary to that. It may be starting up his own design company as it relates to boiler and heating systems. Or if his main job every day is dealing with, uh, say, hospitals, can he create a little side job of servicing boilers that relate to residential uh, clients and customers that doesn't conflict with his day-to-day job? You know, are those those after hours or weekend side hustle jobs that he should be putting together? Because when he does that, he's not going down all types of dead ends of accumulating tools and equipment and things in areas that don't relate to his main job. He's sticking to his boiler making HVAC type business and skills, and he's making small little incremental improvements in that industry. And I think if he does that long enough, that he will have enough small little ancillary jobs where he'll be able to find the right ones where he can get scale and he can eventually walk away from his full-time job by creating his own niche within that boiler industry. But Fred never pursues those opportunities because he's too close to that industry and he literally can't see the forest for the trees. He's always looking for the next best opportunity instead of focusing and building his side hustle around the one that he's already in. Now, again, I just throw this out there for your consideration. If you're doing a dozen side hustles and at the end of the day, you feel enriched, you're making money, or you're happier than you would be if you weren't doing them, then by all means, stick with your side hustles. But for those many, many of you, which I know are tired and burned out, and at the end of the day, you feel you have less money and less time by pursuing these side jobs than you you would otherwise if you just didn't do them, then maybe you should stop. Maybe you should take a step back and reflect on what's going on in your life. Maybe you should just be focusing on what you do for your main job and what niche you can find in that so that you can scale up and be one of two things. Either be the best employee in that industry so that you're always in demand and you'll never be fired or how to take that job and turn it into an entrepreneurial enterprise where you're working for yourself. So if you enjoy doing a particular activity and you can make a side hustle out of it, that's great. But don't delude yourself.